You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy today's episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Security Sandbox. I'm Amanda Fennell, Chief Security Officer and Chief Information Officer at Relativity, where we help the legal and compliance world solve complex data problems securely. And that takes a lot of creativity. One of the best things about a sandbox is you can explore and try anything. When good tech meets well-trained, empowered employees, your business is more secure. This season, we're exploring ways to elevate the strongest link in your security chain, people, through a creative use of technology, process, and training. Grab your shovel and let's dig in. In today's episode, we invite a few old friends to the sandbox. Tyler Young is a Relativity alum and current Big ID CISO, and Dominic Burke used to work with both of us back in our Zurich days, but he's now PwC's Deputy CISO of EMEA. So let's find out how they approached their first months as a CISO. Dust off your welcome materials, your icebreakers, org charts, and let's dive in. Let's talk. Okay, awesome. So I do think it's fun to start with a bit of an icebreaker. We're going we're gonna to pretend like you're actually interviewing for a CISO role. So are you ready for my icebreaker? It's going to make it so awkward. There's no prep for this. There was no question prep. So you ready? All right. So I'll be nice to Dom and let him go second. But Tyler... As a chief security officer, what animal do you think best describes your style? <laughs> Still let Dom go first. I know. Um, I'm so mean. I, I think I, I don't, and this isn't an animal. I think it's more of like a bug thing. I think I'm like a mix between like a butterfly and a and a bee, and it goes back to like the Muhammad Ali float like a butterfly, sting like a sting bee like concept, a bee. Yeah. like a. You have to build the partnerships like a butterfly and kind of be there as like the as like the guardrail, but then you also have to like occasionally put your foot down and sting. So I think it's like a a bug combo. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation when we talked about personality profiles that there's very much like the the what do they call it the iron fist with the velvet glove. Like you have to yeah. have strength to right. what you're doing and you have to have the knowledge base, but you also have to work as a partner to the business. Like our job is to move forward securely. So like, we're not here to hinder or block, but that makes sense. So you're going to do the Muhammad Ali quote. That's fine. We're starting with a quote instead of ending with one. That's fine. Yeah. Um, we can do both. Dom, we can do both. Dom, what is your thought on that one? Uh, multiple animals come to my mind, right? First, cockroach somehow, right? <laughs> um, you know, because it's, it's the survival instinct that you basically need to have, right? Um, also a kangaroo, you know? Jumping from A to B, right? Keep going. Yeah. Resilience, right? If, if you if you if you get punched down, basically you stand up again. Um, <laughs> does that make All sense? All right, that's awesome. All right, so now I'll go to that was our icebreaker. Now we'll go to the regular question as security officers. So. You know, we've come a long way. We've all worked together at a table in you know, Zurich, and we had different roles and everything. But at the end of this path, for many of us, it was to become a security officer. We wanted the ability to be able to make decisions about risk for companies. And we felt like we had some experience that could help us do that and be good at it. So you started roles as security officers. 
what were some of the first questions that were asked of you as soon as you started? You know, you, you get the job, you start, and they're like, by the way, we need you to start on A, B, and C. What are some of the first things? So Dom, I'll start with you. I mean, before I even started, the first question I asked um, is uh, what kind of uh, C-level support do you have for that topic in general, right? As we know, it's, it's mission critical to have the, the senior management uh, support um, and the attention towards this topic. Um, so therefore, this is like, um, for me, a fundamentally important uh, question that hopefully gets answered then with, um, yes, um, you know, the senior management pays attention, right? This They consider this to be mission critical for the company. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that is always the question about how much support you're going to be. I think the efficacy of the role is like, how effective can you be if you don't genuinely have that from the beginning before you even get into the role. If somebody is saying it, my husband always says you, you go where you're wanted and you're needed. It has to be both. So they might want you, but they have to need you and vice versa. And I feel like that's like a super applicable thing for a security role, but Tyler, so you start this role. What were you asking? So <clears throat> along with Dom, like what is the executive buy-in looking across the board? Cause you can't do this alone. Um, on the other side, it's what does the budget and funding look like for headcount, <laughs> tool growth, that kind of stuff? Because the last thing you want to do is get into a role where you have no executive support and you have no money. So you really can't solve the problems. And you look at all these risks and you uncover all these things and you just kind of like look at them like, well, I don't know how I'm going to solve these because some of these things are like risk-based things that need to be fixed that you can't fix without the right people process technology. And if I can't do three what am I doing here? So like, I think that was like one of the most crucial things. And I think the other part is like buy-in from the board and, and the working for a security on the security vendor side, a lot of the board is like security practitioners or former practitioners. So it was, e it was an easy answer to the question, but like without board approval and without board support and understanding of security could make things really difficult as well. Well, okay. So go off script a little bit here, just because of curiosity. You both are new in the roles now, but you've been doing a lot of these things for many years. So interesting little thing here, you two caught up and I am definitely going to be like, I'm a TMZ reporter. What did you two talk about? Like, what did you two compare as notes that you were like, oh my God, this is not what I was expecting, or this is my biggest hurdle that I'm dealing with in the role? We actually talked about something you and I, Amanda, talked about a lot in the past was like the, um, how to be a parent with, with young children and be an executive and somebody who deals with a lot of stress from like the security side of the house. And, and Dom, Dom and I talked a lot about that. Dom, I you had Dom's... a kid? Yeah. What? what? What's going on? How old is your kid? Just a couple of months, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, that's congratulations. Yeah. That is super cool. What a great little topic. So here we are. Let's pivot into being a chief security officer and being a great dad. Let's talk about that for a minute. So you had a conflict with this, Tyler. You figured this out. It is, I've said before, that it feels like the CISO role is basically that like, you know, a CEO looks at a company and says, okay, I'm going to lift this risk responsibility over to this person so they can basically be liable and help me, you know, mitigate any risk and stuff like that. So there's a lot on our shoulders. I think the first day that I ever started the role at Zurich in incident response, I think I broke out in hives, like physically, because I was so stressed out by this and the, the onus of what's on your shoulders then. So what did you two decide or talk about about how to handle this? I mean, 
I, we talked about it generally, and I, I realized that my understanding is right. It's, it's, it's complicated, right? It's extremely complicated, especially if you love your role, your job, right? If you're passionate about it, um, you know, you need to bring these two topics uh, to the table and find the right um, space, right, for both, both important topics. So that's um, complicated, right? I would mm, say definitely. This is my it's Facebook daily challenge update. That I'm, uh, that I'm facing at least, yeah. That, <laughs> Tyler, no, sorry. <clears throat> so I was talking with a, a founder of a company and we were talking about like how he took the jump from CISO to build a company. And he basically was talking about how he sets time aside every day for his kids and, and that there was this book that was written about, um, uh, I think it was about a dad who traveled a lot for work and there, at the end of the day, it, it, he didn't realize at the time, but at the end of the day, it showed his children um, how to, you know, how, how to work hard for what you want and, and how to build that, like, business mantra and, and like, how to be a, a leader. And, and so they use this as, like, a, as like a vision. But then I also, on the flip side of it, we, I was also talking about this as well. And it's like, you have a long time to work. You only have a finite time with a kid who's one years old and taking the first steps or three years old and telling you, daddy, I miss you when you went to a work trip. And so I, I was like torn between like, do you be an amazing role model and work really hard and show them that they work hard, they can do anything they put their mind to, or do you never want to miss those moments that you'll never get again? And so it's like, you have to balance the two. And I know we talk about work-life balance or work-life harmony or whatever we want to call it. And, and you do have to make a choice because being an executive and being in and specifically a security executive, they can suck you in like fully. You could spend a hundred hours a week solving problems. And, and what I've realized is in something, Amanda, you've taught me really well. It's like, you have to build the people around you to help kind of like duplicate yourself and, and like delegate different tasks because you can't do it all yourself. And if you try to do it all yourself, you're going to bury yourself doing it. All right. That's and, and, a Go ahead, Dom. Yeah, I, I want to jump on that because that's an important topic. What Tyler said, right? Look, the the from my perspective, the these two topics have one thing fundamentally in common. This is the challenge of prioritization, right? This whole family topic, work life thing is a prioritization topic, right? And in our daily jobs, I mean, prioritization is key, right? If mm. everything is a priority, nothing is a priority, and you will not get anything done. Right. And by the way, uh, this is also what, from my perspective, the business, our stakeholders, right, our shareholders, they they expect us to do to make decisions, right, to prioritize and then execute. And if I mean, if we are not able to do that, um, we will not be successful in our roles. Right. So it's um, it's a very important aspect, at least for me. Where's the prioritization framework then? How do you decide what fire to put the resources, the budget, et cetera, on? Uh, that's a very complicated <laughs> one. I got this chart here. Let me pull this out. <laughs> All right. Okay. You know, yes, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try first, right? I mean, let, at the end of the day, what are we doing here, right, in our roles? We are reducing risk and protect the brands we are working for, right? That's the idea. That means when it comes to prioritization, um, you need to ask what kind of activities come next that will help my brand to reduce the highest risk and to push it to a lower level, right? Um, so based on this principle, I try to make my prioritization decisions, right? What reduces most of the risk? 
And yes, we can now dive into the details of this, uh, you know, complex um, <laughs> part. And to be honest, uh, Amanda, I, I also, I, I trust my gut. Really. It, I think that is so actually far. the secret ingredient for this role is actually that. I don't know why. And how many times, Tyler, have you heard me use the word spidey sense? I don't know time. why, but I need you to do this thing. And then like months later, years, weeks, whatever, like something will happen. I'm like, hey, remember that thing I had you put together? Can you pull that out and dust it off? Because we need that. But it's absolutely instinct that I think makes a good security officer. That is a great point. A little bit different. While, while protecting the brand for, for my current role is important, I think the, the biggest thing is protecting our customers. Being a software product, and Amanda, you definitely dealt with this. Being a software product, your customers and the security of what they're giving you and trusting you in is, is paramount. So building a good product security team focused in AppSec, CloudSec is fundamental. And that was like my first priority. On top of that and coupled to that, it's third-party risks and third-party, whether it's third-party software components or whether it's contractors that may have access to something that you need to be monitoring or reducing that. Those are like my top two risks. So customer product and then third-party, whether it's software, whether it's people, yeah. Those are like my two. Uh, Do you think people will be surprised when they listen to this episode and think that all of us said that like the customer experience and stakeholder experience and stuff is the most important? Like, I feel like everyone thinks security is such a big brother entity, but all three of us are like, well, it's really about how to like make this you know efficient and so on. Do you think that's going to be surprising, or has security really turned a direction now that like that's just accepted that that's what we really care about as the stakeholders? I think it's it depends who you talk to and where they're coming from. I think anybody who's ever worked at a software vendor will 100% tell you customer and customer experience is number one. And on top of that, developer experience, right? Because mm. I think, it, I don't remember if it was Sage or Gamson, but somebody brought up in the past about being at a software company, your, your biggest asset is your people. And they're your developers. They're the people that are writing the code. They're the people that are supporting the product. And if they can't work functionally and access the things they need to access. And a lot of us are spending a lot of time in the office at the time and, and now remote working. If you can't watch Twitch or, or YouTube and do it securely while working, you're going to lose people. And it's very difficult in this day and age to find talented developers, talented security practitioners. So it's, Okay. Yeah, that, that's the question that. I'm going to ask you both is about what talents are you looking for? So you've got so let's just calibrate now that we've got into the role. We've confirmed that there is executive sponsorship and buy-in that this is a needed and wanted thing to have good security. We've got that. You get into this and you start to realize that as Dom had calibrated us, we've got to decide what is the thing that's going to help us reduce the most risk. And that's how we prioritize these different things coming at us. Now you're looking at the talent, which is the great word of the, of the years of hybrid and COVID. What are you looking for in talent? So from a technical perspective, and, and this is funny because I've grown to this, developers. If you don't have development skills, I probably want to look elsewhere because I do believe that being at a software company, you shouldn't be focusing on hiring mass amounts of people to solve problems. You should be looking to automate things and to build products and solutions internally. And so first and foremost, if you can write code or you're a skilled developer, we can teach you to fish and we can teach you the security stuff. But if you can't, it's very difficult to teach somebody to write code. Dom, and go for it. What yeah. are you looking for? I mean, Tyler, Tyler brought it in. Um, 
with an interesting aspect because it you see it depends on the on the specific uh, needs that the company might have, right? And let me therefore let me generalize it a little bit, right? Um, what do we need first? Um, specifically, you know, when we think about talent moving into future CISO roles, right? First, solid technical background in order to understand the risk landscape, right? It's ever-changing. Yeah, some things are the same since decades. They potentially will remain the same, but there are also new aspects that you need to understand, um, uh, especially, you know, to understand the, the full risk impact here. Um, then uh, second one is uh, understanding business aspects, right? How, do, how does a company make money? Right. This is something that sometimes we as security people have, we have a tendency to forget that, but it's a, it's a very important aspect because, you know, at the end of the day, we are protecting our business, right? Um, so how do they actually make money? And then last but not least, social skills, right? These, we are not machines, right? We are humans. We are not talking, you know, strict, uh, you know, TCP IP, right? We are... We, we are individual. That means um, you need to bring along um, a specific amount of, uh, you know, human interaction skills, social skills, in order to be able to transfer your message, right? To make sure that you are able to influence the other um, side of the conversation, right? Mm. That's a really awesome summary of like the three things that like for both of you, the way that you put this together, that's exactly how I feel about it. So I'm not really surprised on that one. I have to ask the question though, because of the talent that's out there and so on, we would be remiss if we did a podcast in 2022 and did not mention the word, everybody, coffee cups up, hybrid. Let's talk hybrid. How has this influenced your work model? Do you currently like retain a hybrid model or is everyone back in the office? What are you requiring of your talent? So Tyler, you go up first. So we're fully remote. We have a research and development engineering hub in Tel Aviv, and, and they usually go to the office several days a week, so in a more hybrid sense. But the rest of the, the company is fully remote. So we, we have an office in New York. I think it's kind of like an at-will thing. Some people go in sometimes. Um, yeah. But you don't find it as like a thing like uh, – because I feel like security has such a talent shortage right now that like people get to – decide what kind of environment they want. Some people want to go in, some people want to stay home, et cetera. So like, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of um, landscape out there, but I would say, Dom, you probably have a different situation. People probably have to go in, right? To be, to be honest, when, you know, when I thought about this hybrid um, question, for me, it was, it was always like this, right? We, it, it's not related to the pandemic or something. I, I was always, you know, fully, um, flexible in terms of uh, working from where and how and the, the importance is that you create an impact right and that is I think that's the, the the question we should ask how do you create the impact and again it depends right let's assume you're a CISO for a local territory local company in a local in a territory right um, you have your whole team on site then it makes sense probably to meet more often in the office as well, right? Yeah, not all the time, but probably it makes sense to do that. If you have a fully globalized team, right, this is where I'm coming from, does it really matter whether I'm sitting in the office or not? It matters in, in the context of can I actually communicate the right way with the people, right, right time zones, etc. Am I flexible enough? And 
this is these are the important questions for us. And um, to be honest, it was always for me the case, you know, this hybrid or, yeah, it was always um, very efficient and effective in, in my case. I can't remember what the exact translation was that we did, Tyler. When we did a post-COVID starting, we had some swag, which is how relativity keeps people happy, right? We have t-shirts, we have mugs, we have all these different things. And we put it on a t-shirt or somewhere that was like a, a Polish translation. And it's, it, this translation is essentially like work from where you are, like wherever you're at. That's, that's where you would work if you needed to do the job. So it's a an acceptance and acknowledgement that, you know, not everybody is doing things the way they did 20 years ago. So, okay. So we're getting towards a summary, but I have a curiosity for you and I'm totally going to edit this. I'm probably not actually. <laughs> Sometimes we send over questions to let you know what might be the topic. And I'm curious of the list of questions, which one were you like this one? I want to answer this question. This is definitely something I feel strong about. Dom. The, the one with the animal in the beginning. <laughs> 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 but that wasn't on the list. That was the one I just threw at no, you. I know, yeah. but I love it. I love it. Yeah. It, okay. I still think about the kangaroo, right? It's still, it's still in my brain. I don't know if I can it get it out. It is such now. a good point, though, about being ready to like when to jump in, when to pop, when to hop to the next thing. Because sometimes <laughs> it's about securing something just enough to go to the thing that's the actual big risk or something. So it makes a lot of sense. But all right, Tyler, what question on there were you like, oh, I'm going to sound so awesome to answer this question? <laughs> so. I think it was like the future challenges that we're least prepared for. What a and best I, what a best answer for the end of this segment. It's the perfect answer, but go for it. And, I, and the answer is I don't have an answer. And I wait, think wait, wait. So this is future challenges that you should be prepared for, and your answer is I don't have an answer? Okay, big well, ID. No, no, we got to talk. It's what are you least prepared for. And least it's because prepared. the attackers are shifting the way that they're going about exploiting us, companies, people. And predicting the future in tech is nearly impossible. No one would have, if you would have told somebody in a CISO 10 years ago that solar winds and we we're going to see APT groups compromising software supply chains, they would have said, you're crazy. And we saw it. Mm. And it's become the new like table stakes of how attackers are compromising companies globally. So what's next? I, I'm assuming it'd be something to do with crypto and how they're going to hijack mass amounts of crypto wallets or whatever that will be. But I can't predict it in the way that technology evolves, it's, it's very difficult to say what we need to be prepared for. Well, all right. So I'm ready for it then. I'm going to tell you how to prepare. I'm not. I'm not actually. Um, but I will say there seems so like So you're not this prepared really either. Cool. I'm not, not. We're all working on it, Tyler. Work in progress, okay? <laughs> we're hopping um, like kangaroos. We're hopping like kangaroos. Um, I'm going to see if we can like make that like our new, our new mascot. But so I think the coolest part of this conversation is that to come full circle of not working together for years, to come back together for an episode where we're all shoulder to shoulder security officers now, we're all doing the same thing. It's such a cool thing. It feels like our top three things that come to mind for me for this episode. So I've got the job, it's not to block, it's to keep moving forward securely, to build on this you know, next gen of what we need to be doing in the process, hopefully to probably try to figure out how to do that in the future. But I think this really big focus on we're not here to hinder, we know this, but our job is to continue moving forward securely. The prioritization thing is such a great topic. And I think that's definitely the big one I would say that focus on the kind of activities that are going to come next to help my organization push that risk to a lower level and center in this, um, 
I guess your instinct. It seems like we all leverage our instinct relatively to say like, this is the thing. This is the thing we need to be worried about now or in the future. So Tyler, you can't put it into words, but that's because it's your instinct probably. You know it when you see it and you know it when you hear it. You'll be like, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yep, for sure. And that's the main thing I would end this on is to say it's trusting the spidey sense. It's more than just for superheroes. It's for security officers, I think. Yay. I love this. All right. So are we superheroes now or kangaroos? We are superheroes, by the way. We're kangaroo superheroes, number number one and two. Um, I will end on a quote because of Tyler. Tyler, Dom, I don't know if you're aware of this. He is obsessed with Winston Churchill. He loves him. It's his favorite character in history. Um, But I will say we'll end on a great quote from Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. I think that's every day for us, the courage to continue. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining and getting to get back together, getting the band back together. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Amanda. It was great. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for digging into these topics with us today. We hope you got some valuable insights from the episode. Please share your comments. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Security Sandbox is produced by Relativity. Our theme music was created by Monarch. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit relativity.com for more episodes.